At the Coca-Cola Company, Keurig Dr. Pepper, and PepsiCo, some of our bottles can be remade in a whole new way, using 100% recycled plastic. New bottles using no new plastic, except the caps and labels. Learn more at madetoberemade.org. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Hi, I'm Charlotte. And I'm Helly, and welcome to Growth in Progress, the podcast where we have open and honest conversations about things that aren't usually discussed, but that can help us all to grow. In each episode, we spend some time catching up about what we've been up to recently, and then share something we've loved from the past few weeks, whether it's a book, a podcast, a TV show, whatever it is that we've really enjoyed. And then we go on to discuss a topic that we feel is really relevant to things that are going on right now. The sorts of things that a lot of people often think about, but there isn't necessarily a conversation about. How are you doing, my love? I am doing good, thank you very much. It has been beautiful this week, hasn't it? Oh my god, it is stunning. It's warm in the UK. And by it's not like crazy hot in the UK. It's hot by like UK standards. It's like 25 degrees and it is just glorious. Yeah, I've been on the Suffolk coast this week and Oh my God, what is it about being by the beach? I'm 27 years old and I feel like a child as soon as I'm on the beach and I've got like sand under my feet and I have to go and touch the sea, like I have to go and paddle. It's just like a regress to childhood when I'm near the sea. It's been absolutely beautiful. And also Suffolk is massively underrated. Really recommend people going there on a holiday if you're looking for a UK trip this year. Isn't it so underrated? I love Suffolk and there are so many beautiful places there. Um, But I feel like it's never a place people consider going for a little break or a holiday. So I'm pleased you enjoyed it because it is just stunning there. Well, I didn't realise it's only, it's it's advertised as like 90 minutes from London. So loads of people that live in London have second homes there, obviously. Um, Richard Curtis has a second home there. There's your fact of the day. Could have bumped into him while I was there. Yeah, that's your fact. It's either in Albrough or Southford. I can't remember which one. But yeah, that's your fun fact of the day for you. I mean, my highlight was the place I was staying had four Maine Coon cats. Oh my God, they were beautiful. I love a Maine Coon. Isn't your cat part Maine Coon? Partly, we think. Not fully. (laughs) These Maine Coons were so heavy. They were like double the weight of my cat. I've never picked up such a heavy cat in my life. I had never seen a Maine Coon until I was like a teenager and we put our cat in a cattery for the first time. And the cattery that we put him in, like when we went on holiday, had a Maine Coon. And I'd just never seen anything like it. And the owner picked him up and I just remember thinking like, cats that big can exist that aren't tigers? Like, <laughs> Yeah, they're like the size of a dog or like a fox. It's unbelievable how yeah, big they are. Yeah, they're so big. Anyway, I could talk about cats for ages obviously (laughs) what have you been up to I have I've excitingly joined a gym which 
I haven't really exercised properly since I had COVID um, and I haven't been part of a gym for years but I finally decided it was time to like take my health and fitness a bit more seriously so I've joined a gym locally and I feel so excited about it and and I wanted to share my excitement for this because as someone who fundamentally hates exercise and is very intimidated by exercise and kind of I feel like we've discussed this in a previous episode when we've spoken about health and fitness Mm. um just having the confidence to get fit is really difficult yeah Um, so where to share the excitement in the hope that if anyone else feels similarly to how I do slash did about exercise um that it gives them a boost because I've had a PT session and actually to go to the gym and feel empowered is so great and I'm excited just to get strong like focus on my cardiovascular health I was reading some stuff on the food medic about bone density and that freaked me out. And I was like, nah, I've, I've got to get fit now. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm really excited about it. And it feels nice to be moving again, especially as someone who works from home. Good. Yeah, I think it. that's the thing, isn't it? Having that change of scenery and just if you're that excited about something, it makes such a difference, especially if it is something like fitness or exercise related. If you feel excited about it, it's so much more motivating. I've got my first spin class next week, um, which I'm buzzing for because I've always wanted to do spin. I'm low-key terrified, um, but we will see. Saying Loki, as a side note, have you started watching Loki yet on Disney Plus? No, I haven't. Me and Taylor need to try and watch it together, but obviously the whole like having an ocean in the middle of us is making things difficult. Yeah, having the ocean thing, it does make things more difficult. But um when you start watching it, I wanna hear your thoughts. It's trippy as hell again. But I'm kind of enjoying the trippy TV that's coming out of Disney. Yeah, I'm loving all of the series that they're doing. I can't wait to watch it. I think Taylor has a weird working pattern obviously I totally appreciate everyone's like you could just call together and whatever yes we can Taylor works very weird shift hours so it's kind of like we need to find a time to actually sit down and enjoy it together when neither Mm. of us are at work which is easier said than done but I am loving all of the series that Disney's been creating it's kind of every time I hear about a new one or that a new one's coming out it just makes me so excited and I feel like that's a really good place for Disney to be in yeah to be really exciting people in their late 20s early 30s but I think it's a really cool shift for them yeah Um, but anyway do you want to show your recommendation for the week yes so my recommendation this week um is a bit of a heavy one so I do want to just put in a content warning um about discussion of suicide so if if that's something that you don't want to listen to please do skip ahead um a few minutes um my recommendation this week is Um, A TV show that was on BBC last week, it's Joey Essex, Grief and Me. And I have never watched TOWIE, ever. I want to caveat with that. But I feel like everyone knows Joey Essex. And he's this big character, like larger than life, always joking, always laughing, always at the centre of the party. The class, And I feel like it's the classic example of what you see on a screen isn't the reflection of what's going on underneath. Because when he was 10 years old, his mum took her own life. And he's never come to terms with that. And this program follows his journey as he decides to start seeing a therapist. And it's something that he has never done before. He's never even considered. It was that very kind of stereotypical, no, I'm a man, I don't need help. I'm absolutely fine. Um, 
and actually it was so powerful for to see this this man who's in the public eye especially a man with his personality um to really open up and say no I, I actually do need help and seeking help is okay and I just feel like I mean it was only one episode it was a standalone um I think it was an hour or an hour and a half um and I just feel like that's a really massive step that could resonate with so many other men who feel that societal need to hide their mental health struggles and I feel like people like him coming forward and having these very open conversations about seeking out therapy and about talking about their mental health and what they've gone through is is such a big step in the right direction obviously suicide is such a it's such a huge killer for for men and it's something that isn't spoken about because there's this huge stigma around male mental health um it was really interesting to watch and really lovely and heartwarming and it was very emotional as well I did feel quite emotional watching it um but would really recommend um giving it a watch it's an interesting side of Joey Essex I'd never even considered before I'll definitely give that a watch because I I used to be a huge Towie fan um and I always liked Joey Essex because I think he's actually quite a good soul do you know what I mean he wasn't Mm. I don't know he just seemed a bit different to everyone else in the show but it was never really touched in the show. They kind of mention you get you get the impression that his mum died, but there's no context surrounding that. So it's interesting that there's now, or interesting is probably the wrong word, but I think it's it's a step in the right direction. This conversation can be had more openly because you're right. Suicide does affect young men. It's the it's the biggest killer, but also for families who experience suicide in some form there is so little conversation around that and people don't know how to react um so I think aside from him talking about male mental health actually opening up a conversation about suicide and the impact of that and understanding it more is also so important um so I love that they've created that and that they've given a platform to that story because I think it's a really important one um, yeah and I think the BBC are doing a few things like this now, aren't they? Do you remember the Freddie Flintoff one a little while yeah. ago that was done about eating disorders? And I think I think Roman Kemp has just done one about male mental health as well. Um, but I think it's brilliant that these conversations are being had now. Yeah, definitely. And it's only like an hour or so episode, so it doesn't, it can't cover absolutely everything. But like you said, I think it's that, a really really important conversation starter that mm. is and it's so interesting hearing him talk I mean he's saying he's at this age now and he's got this huge house that he lives on in on his own and he thought he would have a partner by now but instead he feels like there's so much that's being like that's blocking him in his life because of what he went through with losing his mum and he doesn't feel like there's a way forward unless he seeks this professional help um and I just I think seeing someone, someone with such a high profile openly admitting that they need help on a platform like the BBC is a really, really powerful thing to do. Yeah, and for someone like him as well, because the media has portrayed him in a very specific way. Oh, yeah. And to then have that, to almost break that down and say, I'm a real person and actually these sorts of things can affect anyone is so powerful. Um, I'm going to go check that out later. Yeah, definitely recommend. Um, What's your recommendation this week? I have a book this week. 
And for anyone who's ever heard one of my book recommendations before, it will not shock you that this is an intergenerational story about two families. (laughs) (laughs) They are my favourite types of genre, apparently. Um, But it is called Ask Again Yes. And it is it was nominated for a lot of awards. It's been on like New York Times bestseller list and all this. It came out a couple of years ago. And it is the story of two families who live in suburban New York and um, it follows the lives of two of the children who, when they are young, there's an incident that happens um, and then it kind of is the knock-on impact this has over the next kind of 40 years of their life. And it is so interesting. It covers so many different things like mental health, miscarriage, um, addiction, disability like life-changing events and that's not giving away any spoilers like there is just so much content within this book and it's it's a lot of stories like this I feel are very like quick paced and quite short and this is a much longer book um but the pace of it means that you really feel like you get to know each of the characters and each of the stages of their lives and you empathize with different characters at different points even the ones who you start by really disliking and that sort of thing I think it's really brilliantly written and a really interesting look at life as a whole and how so many things can change and your perceptions of what's right and wrong and all that sort of thing change as you grow I just I really loved it I think it's a really special book that does sound so interesting. I love that there's so many different like, stories and different mm. angles going on in it. I, as soon as you, as soon as you said you were reading it, I was like, multi generational. It has to be. <laughs> <laughs> it is like the only. It is. I don't want to say it's the only genre I read, but it's they're the books that stay with me. They're the stories that I think are really powerful. And yeah, this is another one on the list that I love. It. In terms of like ranking of my favourites, Homegoing and The Vanishing Half are still my top two. I don't see anything knocking those two off the top two position for a very long time, but this is definitely up there. It's a really, it's an, I don't want to say it's an easy read because it deals with really quite heavy topics and intense things, but it's an easier read than some other stories because of the way it's written and that it really extends out the story it's just a beautiful book and I would really recommend it I will have to pick that one up and give it a go yeah it's it's a longer book I feel like it's kind of book that if you were to take on holiday you'd read for the whole holiday and yeah I just really enjoyed it very nice So in this week's episode, we wanted to have a conversation about sustainable fashion and how you can make your wardrobe and your choices surrounding fashion more sustainable. We know it's an absolutely huge topic and with that comes the whole discussion about privilege and how making those more sustainable choices does require a certain amount of privilege. But we want this to be a really judgment-free zone because actually there is no need for us all to be perfect, but the fashion industry is a huge polluter. It's the third biggest polluter. So it's up there with things like air travel and the oil industry. And that's really overwhelming as a consumer. And there's a lot of responsibility on the business there. Let's be honest, the industry need to step up to the plate and the British Retail Consortium do have plans to do that. Um, And they do have goals to be 
carbon neutral by 2040. But there's still a lot we can do as individuals because let's be honest, time is not on our side. So we want to have a conversation today about this and share some resources we've found helpful, some things we've changed within our lives over the past few years and how everyone can just feel a little bit more empowered to make slightly better choices without feeling like we have to suddenly never buy anything again, that we're not allowed to enjoy the joy that fashion brings um, and that it's all on our shoulders because it isn't all on our shoulders. We're just individuals, but we can still have a positive impact. Yeah, I think for me, sustainable fashion as a concept felt so overwhelming because I I felt like I had to, I I felt like sustainable fashion meant buying from sustainable brands, Mm. which are, as a general rule, very unaffordable for most people and also very, like, they're not size inclusive at all. Um, So it's not actually a practical choice for a lot of people to make. And I feel like when I first when it was something I originally became aware of, I thought that that was the only route for sustainable fashion. I thought that I had to buy from those brands. And that was a lot of pressure because I don't have the money. I didn't have the money and I still don't have the money. Mm. And like you said, it does come down to privilege. Um, if you are able to buy from brands like that, then that's that's great. Like That's your choice. But I felt very overwhelmed to be in the position that I felt like I had to. And actually there are a lot of alternatives like I'd been buying secondhand for quite a few years and I just I didn't realize that that was an option to make my shopping habits more sustainable secondhand shopping is such a great way to make your shopping more sustainable I think and again of course shopping secondhand by choice is a privilege and when we're shopping secondhand we all need to be mindful that you know we shouldn't just buy everything just because it's more sustainable but it helps and it's a more it's kind of just a it's a better choice isn't it I think so much what we're going to discuss today is about making a better choice and shopping secondhand now is so much easier than it ever has been before I think there's a real stereotype that shopping secondhand is like the little charity shop that used to be on the high street that didn't have anything that felt new or fresh or trendy in there but actually with the rise of apps like Vinted and Depop you can find current season items from shops like H&M, Mango, Misguided, the lot that are on there for literally a fraction of the price but still look brand new and I love how secondhand shopping has become more democratized because it is it's really fun like it's a fun way to shop it's an exciting way to shop and it is a better choice at the end of the day and that, that's what we have to go after the better choices. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because so I was I was raised secondhand shopping. Um, that was always just something that me and my family did. And I went through like a weird when I was at uni, I felt really judged for secondhand shopping. People I felt like people really looked down on me for secondhand shopping. And I like I, I really struggled with that. And now I feel like there has been this huge shift. I mean, it should never have been looked down on anyway. If people are shopping secondhand, that's an amazing Mm. thing to do. But I feel like there's been this huge shift now, which is really, really positive to see because it's shopping in charity shops or secondhand or on eBay or apps like Vinted, like you said, that there's so many more options that make it more accessible. There's a bigger range of 
of sizes, of styles, of brands that you can find from shopping online. And the best part is that you're not creating that demand. And that demand is what what creates the original carbon footprint. If you're buying new, you've got the carbon footprint from producing those clothes. If you can buy secondhand, those clothes have already been created. So you're not creating the demand. And I think that's, as soon as I realized that shift in my mind, like the game changed. Like I felt so much Mm. more positive about my habits of shopping secondhand. I couldn't agree with you more. I I've had so many conversations with people about shopping secondhand and shopping in sample sales as well, actually. And people saying, yeah, but the product is from a retailer that maybe isn't sustainable. Does that mean that shopping secondhand, like shopping those items secondhand is also not sustainable? And I think everyone has the right to make up their own mind on that. But for me personally, I'm on the same page as you. The damage, as it were, has been done. The resources have been used. The CO2 has been created the people have put in the hours to create the product either we use that product and give it more life and get the most out of it as possible and honor the work that's been put in or it goes into landfill so yes it may eventually years down the line end up in landfill but it's still better than it going there when there is nothing wrong with it if you're still going to love an item and cherish it and look after it and get the wear out of it then I think it is still better than not buying it at all. Or actually, no, not buying it at all is obviously the best thing to do. Like if we want to be more sustainable, we just stop buying fashion. But that's not realistic. Let's, if we're going to do it, let's talk about how we do it better. But um, if you're going to buy it anyway, buying it secondhand or to a sample sale or something like that is better than buying it brand new. Yeah, God, I would never buy from Misguided now. Like there's no, no problem if you do, but things... Things from there, I just find they don't last well. And also a lot of their things are very short and I'm six foot two, so it's just not practical. <laughs> I um, but I found one of their tall range midi dresses on eBay a couple of months ago and it still had the tags on and I got it for seven pounds. And I was like, oh God, I feel conflicted. Like it's misguided. And I know that they're not exactly, perhaps not the most ethical um, or sustainable brand out there. I'm thinking, no, it's still got the tags on. Someone might have just thrown this away. It could have gone yeah. to landfill and instead I've given it a second life. And I do feel like it then ties into what you were saying there, like more considered purchasing because yeah. it was a dress that, it's a midi dress, it's black, it's floral, it's got long sleeves. I can wear that in the summer and in the winter with like tights and boots and a, a thick coat. So I feel like I've really thought about that and it's kind of a cross-seasonal purchase. So I know I'll really get my money's worth and my Mm. wear out of it. And when I think about that, can I wear it with five different outfits? Am I going to wear this more than 20 times? Mm -hmm. If the answer is yes, then I'm very much happy giving that dress from Misguided a second life. I couldn't agree with you more. I think it goes back to that stereotype, doesn't it? That you can't find new and on-trend items secondhand and you really can. And especially at the moment because of COVID and so many people not being able to return things or buying things and their body changing. There is so much stuff online that is brand new with tags. If you're going to buy it anyway, if you can consider it a bit more and say, could I do it differently? Then it makes a huge difference. And it's what you were saying there about making sure it's a considered purchase. That's one of the most powerful things we can all do because whole culture is huge Like we have all seen the endless hauls on YouTube, Instagram, whatever it is, like, and that pressure to buy more and more and constantly have new. And it 
it's really easy to get into that mindset of, oh, H&M have got a new drop, I must check it out. But actually taking a moment to step back and go, okay, will I wear this that number of times? Does it go with what I already own? Will I, am I likely to like this item in a couple of years time? Is it something that will actually fit me and flatter me? Or is it something that looks cool on someone else, but their body is very different to mine? <laughs> there are so many things I've bought in the past that look great on someone. And then I put them on, I'm taller than them. And then they, I don't feel comfortable in it, but I'm like, oh, but it looks good on that person. And you keep it thinking one day you're going to love it. <laughs> and actually the best thing to do would have not been to buy it. And if you can make sure your purchases are more considered, at least then when you buy something, you know you're buying it. And it's not kind of like an impulse purchase that it's it's not going to get worn. Yeah, I think there's something there about not buying into trends as well. Mm. Like, I mean, trends are fine. And again, if it's something that you think you're you're going to wear and get your money's worth, absolutely, there's no problem with that. Like, buy what you want to buy. But if it is something that is very um, like transitory, very like if it's something that is just going to pass through after this season and probably isn't going to be wearable the following summer or into autumn and winter, I think I'm a, I'm much more aware now of if I'm just buying into something because it's a trend rather than something that I'm actually going to get my money's worth from. A hundred percent. And if you can go for items that transcend the trends or that play into trends in a different way, like I think, of course, we're talking a lot about high street here, but there is the huge industry of luxury secondhand goods and um, platforms like Vestia Collective have really made that so much easier than it's ever been before and to do it in a safe way but if you're looking to buy something more expensive is it something that's going to come back in a couple of years in even in 20 years time that you're going to be like yes I've already got that or is it something that's just never ever going to come back like I don't predict that the Jacquemus little tiny 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 handbags are going to come back in 20 years time but all the pride. so impractical <laughs> so impractical you literally can't get anything in them they're cute but they look like they belong on a barbie no hate <laughs> if you have one personally that's not how i'm investing but then you look at something like a i don't know like the loewe puzzle bag it is a staple in so many people's wardrobes it kind of goes over those trends but then in 20 years time it's completely plausible it'll come back or the prada bags that everyone has that they've dug out of their wardrobe from 20 years ago they're they're being worn in sex on the city which was shot 20 years ago and people are buying them now so and of course it's hard to pick up what's going to be a trend in the future but if you can shop with that mindset of is this something I'm going to probably like then again it's more considered yeah and I think there's something there about getting more informed as well about Mm. the brands because yeah if it's like you said if it's something that you feel like you can wear across several seasons or several years that's absolutely brilliant but also is it something that you're I don't know I again I realize that this comes from a very privileged point of view but is it a brand that you're comfortable wearing and I don't know I feel like it's something that I've become a lot more aware of definitely over the past year I will be much more likely now to google what a brand is doing in terms of their ethical Mm -hmm. and sustainable stance in their business practices and it's not something that I did before and I feel like the the boohoo scandal really like woke me up to that and how many how many high street brands are just not commenting or not publishing their stance and I feel like that speaks louder than than anything 
100%. And with any big industry, unfortunately, despite best intentions, it takes a long time to change things because the bigger your production line, the bigger the change, the bigger the investment, the harder it is. So I think it's very easy to look and go, oh my God, the retail industry in the UK is doing nothing because it takes a long time. But so you kind of do have to give a little grace to companies when you're researching it. But I think on the other hand, you sometimes see people trying to do a little bit and you go, that's not enough. And we're very quick to say it's not enough, but something is better than nothing. And it's never been easier to research what a company's like. And what we can do in the show notes is leave a couple of resources um, and kind of things like the HIG index that give you an idea of how how green a, a company is because then at least you're informed in the decision you're making as well and that's what's so important and it can definitely feel overwhelming and greenwashing is a real issue I think we do need to touch on the fact that greenwashing is a real thing and for anyone who isn't aware greenwashing is essentially where a company is shouting about their sustainable principles or their potentially they've got eco-conscious lines and that sort of thing but it is misleading for a customer because it isn't the whole picture um and they're kind of profiting off of being a green in inverted companies uh, in inverted companies in inverted commas company um without necessarily doing all the work that's a really important thing to hold people to account over but at the same time these more green and conscious collections are a step in the right direction and it's another way that it makes the market slightly more accessible I think that's the key thing isn't it step in the right direction like you said Mm. these companies that are so huge they can't just simply change everything and be perfect overnight and when I was doing research for this episode I learned that um, ASOS has a zero landfill policy and I didn't know that. And they I think there was a lot of articles about it in March and their director had gone on an IGTV story to talk about what happens to their products that are returned. And I was really relieved to, to see that because returns are a massive issue for a lot of companies. Items that are returned from their online orders and even sometimes in the shop as well, they won't be put up for resale. They will go straight into a landfill. And it was something that I felt really uncomfortable about because for years I've been guilty of online shopping and trying a few things on and sending a bunch back and now I realize a lot of that probably went into landfill so then learning that somewhere as kind of easily accessible to people as ASOS had a zero landfill policy like I'm not saying they're a perfect company and they have overnight deliveries and it's free returns and they're 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 not perfect by any means but those steps like that are exactly what you said, a step in the right direction. It makes mm. me feel a lot more comfortable, especially in a time when we can't go into stores to try things on because of COVID. Yeah. If if that's the option for you that works best, then knowing that someone like ASOS has that policy in place is another consideration that that can influence how you shop more sustainably and is a step in the right direction. It is exactly that, isn't it? It's a better choice. And I think it is important that places like ASOS do it because they set a new bar for the industry as well. Mm. Because if other people are doing it, if they're doing it, other retailers are going to have to step up to the mark and do something like that as well. And particularly for something like ASOS, it's it, despite our best intentions, it's very hard to always shop secondhand. 
it's for, for a number of reasons we've already touched on. So for someone like ASOS that has so much range, to know that it's a slightly better choice really helps because, and I'm sure you will probably relate to this, sometimes as a longer limbed human, it is hard <laughs> to find trousers that fit. Um, and so the only option is to order several sizes and see which one works because they might say online that the model is five foot 10, but when they arrive, you'd be hard pressed to believe it. <laughs> so <laughs> for me, shopping secondhand for trousers is just something that is a pain. And actually I need to have the flexibility to return things. So knowing ASOS do that just means that when I decide I need a new pair of trousers and I make a considered purchase, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, it's one more step in the right direction to empower me as a consumer and all of us to have slightly a slightly less negative impact yeah and as we said like the I mean, the best clothes that you can wear are the ones that you already have yes and I realize that that's obviously you need to buy things sometimes you can't it's unavoidable for most yeah. people but there's definitely something to be said about taking care of the clothes that you mm. do have because repairing clothes restitching resoling shoes whatever it might be is a lot more sustainable than just throwing them away and going out and, and buying a new pair. Yeah. I mean, I have like basic t-shirts from like Primark and New Look from literally years ago, but because I've looked after them and stitched up the occasional hole, I, there's no point in me buying new stuff like that because these are perfectly fine. Yes, I have a vest top that I bought when I was in year seven and it is still going. And yes, it's a bit off-white now. <laughs> Maybe it has a hole in it, but it works perfectly as pyjama top or if I'm fake tanning. And almost on principle, I don't want to get rid of it because it has been there for so long. And of course, not everything's going to last like that. But if you can, if you can make things last, there's a real, it really does have positive impact. And I think we need to change how we view fixing up items. Like in the past, I'd be like, oh, I don't want to pay to get a shoe resold. I can I can just buy another pair of shoes for the amount I'll spend on a new sole. Whereas now I see it as I've already got the shoes. I've already broken them in. Key point. I've already spent the time breaking in those shoes. They are comfortable. I've already found a style I love. I could just spend 20 quid putting a new sole on them rather than putting that 20 quid towards a new pair of shoes. And I'm no longer like, oh, that jumper has a hole in it. I need to get a new one. It's like, but I love that jumper. It goes with everything. I'll just stitch up the hole. Like if we change how we view fixing items we already own, it no longer feels like, I don't know, something that almost, it's a bit like how you're saying about secondhand shopping. It wasn't something that people thought was um, cool. And actually there was quite a lot of judgment around it. A similar, similar thing goes for like repairing items. Now I think people look on it more favorably and you can get a sewing kit so cheaply. You don't need to be, the world's best seamstress. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And also something else I've just thought of as well, if it's beyond repair, this is very specific to my whole, my household possibly, but things like old clothing, what you said there about wearing them in, in bed as pajamas, that's a great example of it, but also using them, uh, using old t-shirts as dusters yes, or yes. using old bedding as dust sheets, things yes. like that. Again, yes we're talking about fashion here but there's a lot of other uses that you could use old clothes for rather than putting them in the bin and them going in a landfill you could 
save money on buying dusters and use old clothing instead. A hundred percent. The other one that really springs to mind is, you know, when you have like a pair of jeans that fits you perfectly around the waist and the bum and then they wear away like around the thighs where there's just natural friction. Mm. I've started chopping the legs off and turning them into shorts even if they're a pair of shorts that I wouldn't wear in public, so quite short, um, just for sitting around the house in. Like if yeah. I'm working from home and, and they, they already fit me, I know they're really comfortable. It just extends the life a little bit more. And I grew up cutting up old t-shirts to use as dusters. So now I'm like, yeah, of course I do that. But it's a really, it's another thing. And you're just like, it just extends the life a little bit. And there's so much pressure I think when you read the stats and you hear the stats about what the fashion industry does for the environment, it's terrifying, especially if you are someone who gets so much enjoyment out of fashion and finds it so creative and such an outlet. Like, I love the industry. I find it so exciting. But it can feel really conflicting when you think, God, I want to be a good person who helps the planet. But also, Vogue, um, you don't have to pick a team. You can hold the industry to account and make better choices while still enjoying it and I hope that's what we've got across in this episode and we've helped you guys to come up with some other ways of that you, you can be maybe a more sustainable consumer um, if that's something that's open to you yeah definitely we hope you found this episode useful and helpful and of course we would love to hear any tips about shopping more sustainably um if you have them please do get in touch with us with the contact details that are down in the show notes um in the meantime have a wonderful week uh stay safe and we will speak to you next time bye bye anatomy of an ad subconsciously trigger emotions through music perfect define an opportunity imagine talking to millions of people across the u.s like i am now identify a problem creating an audio ad is time consuming offer a solution utilize cutting edge ai imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds well we did to create this ad to learn more about ai in the audio industry download the white paper from audiostack.ai